2: take command podcast from odyssey sports that's logan paulson i'm craig hoffman make sure you're subscribed wherever you are watching or listening right now full episodes on youtube at 1067 the fan subscribe to the audio on your favorite podcast platform which might just be that free odyssey app okay uh from disco uh another mailbag question What do you think Curtis Samuel's role will be in the offense this year? I feel like we talked a lot about that in the spring and then kind of quieted down on it throughout the summer after watching the summer take place and kind of preparing for the season. What do you think his role is ultimately going to be?
3: Um, I don't think you saw anything too specific. And like, let me just kind of flesh this thought out. Nothing too specific. I think you saw like a general thought process that they want to use him in Kind of that Kadarius Tony way, you know, like where he might get a touch here from the backfield or they're gonna motion him or dead sweep or whatever. But also him playing receiver. Cause I do think after watching, I think there's I think they're very, very similar players. So I do think like that is something I would expect. You didn't get to see a lot of it because I'm sure they're they're open practices, people are taking videos, you don't want to put too much out there. But I also think that um, you know, like just in terms of that like those kind of preliminary tastes of what they were doing in practice, I think you saw you know, just just a thought process. How do we use this guy's skill set? He's tremendously athletic, um, and, he, and he's and he got a skill set that's very unique in terms of, like, he's he's very strong. Even when you watch him do, like, one-on-ones and stuff, he's very, very strong. Like, not just at the catch point, but at the top of routes, like throwing guys off and getting off a of holding and things like that. So, um, you want to use that strength. You want to use that explosiveness, and you want to find ways to get him incorporated in the offense. For a guy who's maybe not the most refined route runner of all time, you know, like, how do we get, get him – easy touches and let him use his explosiveness. So, uh, without giving too much away, I just, I just think there's a general kind of thought that that's the role I-, I see for him, you know, in terms of, uh, him, him getting touches like in-, in a myriad of ways.
2: I think all three guys, but especially McLaren and Samuel will get, I'm calling like designated touches, organized touches, whatever you want to, um purposeful touches. I think Dotson's gonna get his in the flow of the offense, and he's so good as a route runner that EB's gonna be like, yep, we're good. And occasionally like will sure. he get a screen or a reverse, maybe. Um, but like I think Terry's gonna get one to two of those a game, whether it's like the jet pass where you just tap it up to the guy and let him run or whatever, like We'll see Curtis lined up all over the place and throughout the season, talking about all over the place. Sure. And I think he'll get a couple of design touches uh, throughout games on a pretty regular basis. But I do think he's almost underrated as a receiver, to your point. Like, I, I he can run routes. He's got strong hands. Like, he'll make clutch, tough, contested catches. Like, he, had, he didn't have a ton of catches last year, but how many clutch third downs did he convert sure. for them? So I, I think that they will because of the the volume of plays they should run being more efficient offensively like he should get a lot more touches this year than he did last year i think terry and Jahan, like they're all going to get touches because again they're just running more plays um but there will be times and and i'm sure some of it will be opponent specific if they think they can get something over on a specific team like they'll use that and he is a a major weapon weapon i think the the questions too are like you can kind of ask the same question about antonio gibson uh, yeah. Like how, how specialty role does he become? Or is he just kind of a rotation back, um, you know, third down back kind of guy? Like, I, I think there's, there's really intriguing questions about those two guys in particular. And, you know, as we're recording here, some more questions are coming in. Like one of the questions I got for another mailbag is like, is there a situation where either of them is around after this season? And yeah. I, I think the likelihood that both of them are around doesn't seem very high. But I think it's higher for Samuel on some kind of small, much smaller contractual number than it is for Gibson, just by the nature of wide receiver versus running back.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at guys who are going to, in my opinion, more likely to get some of those game plan touches, I think you say it's probably Curtis. And and to your point, like, I'm not saying Curtis is a bad route runner. Just when you watch him, he lacks some of that, like, some of that nuance, you know, that, that, like, that, makes good route runners or makes average route runners in the NFL. Like there's like an understanding of STEM and space and leverage that is um, it's, it's very specific and it's hard to articulate to people who don't know route running at a high level, but um, he's, he's not, that's not his forte. Like he's a, he's a strength and power and speed guy. And so you want to find ways for him to utilize. And again, like in in training camp, for example, I thought he did a great job. Like it's not always the prettiest thing of all time, but it's, He's strong and he's fast. He gets open, so like yeah, there's also quick too. Yeah. So that
2: short area burst. So sometimes if it's not pretty, like you get to the top of her out and you just get to the next spot faster than 100%. the DB because you've got pure athleticism.
3: And there's 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 like a what is that old adage? There's like a million ways to skid a cat. That's a weird yeah. expression, but like there's all there's all <laughs> sorts of different styles to get there, you know. And I think he's got a style that maybe isn't like you know like very Instagram friendly because it's not like oh double stick work the outside release, lean back and break out. You know, it's not like that, but it's it's solid and it wins. And I think there's there's value there. Because like you mentioned, the Baltimore practice, like he did a great job beating up on some corners. And was that their their best corner group? Probably not. But I think he's the guy that I would think is going to get more, more specific touches as opposed to Gibson. And I think he warrants that just because I think he's a little bit more of that kind of like elite athlete that you want to get those touches. And also like think about it, when Gibson's in the game – um, you treat him like a running back. When Curtis is in the game, you have to treat him like a receiver. So when you put him in the backfield, like an empty or, you know, like you say you go five wide receiver personnel or, you know, three wide receivers and two tight ends or whatever the, whatever the formation personnel allocation is, when you put him in the backfield, now all of a sudden that starts breaking defensive rules. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's in the backfield. Do we treat him like a receiver? Do we treat him like a running back? Can we blitz this? Is this true empty? Then that's where the value of having that guy comes in with Gibson like he's very skilled I'm not trying to diminish his skill set but from a from a defensive coordinator standpoint when he lines up in the slot he's a running back because I don't fear his route running the same way that I do like a guy like Christian McCaffrey for example or Curtis Samuel when he's in the backfield he's a running back so it doesn't really break the rules the same way that you get with Curtis and I think that that just having that different tag in terms of position is an, is an, is extremely valuable you know and, and EB has shown a proclivity in Kansas City now you know with using multiple tight ends using different types of backs using multiple receivers because it dictates certain responses from the offense or from, from the defense excuse me so I think that's why I'd say that in terms of them being back next year I think they both would need to be very productive in order for that yeah. to even be a conversation and and um, that's one of those big question marks like is Curtis productive in this role is um is Gibson productive in his role and what is the role? Like, if, if Gibson's just kind of a third down back, you can keep him at a you can keep him at a good number. And I think kind of irrespective, Curtis will be back at a much smaller number because if you look at Kansas City, they find they can find guys kind of every year in the draft to fill that role. And while I think Curtis is special, he's not whatever he is you know thirteen million dollars a year special for this role that you seem to be able to find, especially given college the the landscape of college football now, you can find that skill set pretty reticently. I think.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing that people should be on the lookout for is like other like Terry lining up in the backfield. Not necessarily that he's ever going to get a handoff, um, but they'll throw screens to receivers like in the past or things like that. Or you just line him back there to see what the defense does and then you motion him back out to a receiver. Um, but you like, you start with him there and things like that, that Kansas city has been doing for years. And Andy's probably been doing since he was in Philadelphia, I'd have to go back and watch 2005 Eagles tape or, you know, nineties Packers tape when he was in green Bay. But like these little seemingly little things that actually give the quarterback and you know, the rest of the offense, a ton of information, um, that cause defenses to check and communicate and create confusion and give away what they're doing so there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff as well um that i think you can expect to see this year and who knows maybe terry will get a handoff at some point in the year um, sure. but more likely you're just you see it to kind of you know hey the star corner is following terry around see if you can find him in the backfield and then chase yeah. him around and you know get a free release like there's just stuff you can do that uh i think eb will bring to this offense that curtis will probably be the biggest beneficiary of Um, but Terry and possibly Jahan or Diami or whoever else might be a benefit of as well.
3: Let's be clear, kind of going back to that first question also, like I think with an offense like this where you see creative, productive, innovative mindset, all positions benefit, you know, like the tight ends will benefit, the receivers will benefit, the running backs will benefit. It just depends on who's getting the most kind of the, the what it, you had a very specific term it was like game plan touches is that what we're yeah, using for that we, th- that works yeah yeah like the person who's getting the most game plan touches and, and game plan touches in this, this context are kind of like unconventional touches i think that's going to be curtis probably yeah probably all right uh last one before we get to
2: the over unders um we've seen the practice structure change uh dramatically not just in the tempo but kind of what's actually being practiced how does that change emphasis on situational football where they've done a lot more two minute, a lot more third down, a lot more of that kind of stuff than what's been done in the past here? Um, how does that translate into the
3: season? Well, I think, you know, golly, like there's so many there's so many benefits to this new practice structure. So let's talk high level, then we'll kind of work our way to your to that more specific question. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed is like they've done a lot more seven on seven. And I was always the guy who's like, why so much seven on seven team? That's where the value is. You need team. You need the offensive line out there. You need the working protections. And then I kind of thought about it. You can get the offensive line over with Juan Castillo and the defensive line doing inside run, doing pass rush, doing blitz pickup without the quarterback there. And they get way more reps and specific coaching to that activity that they're doing while also getting the seven on seven stuff. So You know, they'd finish the day with 115 reps, 120 reps in a practice, which to me is mind-blowing. Because when Kyle was here, when Mike was here, we done well with like a a big day would be like 70, uh, like a ton of reps, you know? So they are crazy in terms of their ability to maximize opportunities, maximize timings, maximize the the situations like we're going to talk about in a second. I think there's, you're basically doubling your practice, which is crazy to think about. So the O-line's getting... Instead of getting 15 minutes of individual, they're getting an hour and 15 minutes of individual. And then they do the team period, right? The The skill guys get an hour and 15 minutes of individual, seven on seven, team skelly. And then they go to team period. And I was like, man, like they're they're doubling their practice time offensively, it's like ostensibly, like, which is crazy to think about. And so it was like the first day they came in and they started doing team run and you'd never seen them do a team period the whole off season. And it looks super crisp. You're like, it's because they've just been working it on the side, getting hundreds of undocumented reps, which is great. So that's the first thing I think is really fantastic about the new practice structure. And then you mentioned, I think this is, this is huge. Is that practice structure now allows you to maximize your third down opportunities. It allows you to maximize your red zone opportunities. I like think about how many, how many days we're at practice, Greg, and we watched seven on seven in the red zone and they're getting 40 reps in practice. Yeah. You know, like that's, Great for the starters. That's great for the backups. That's great for the third string guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why nothing looked too big. Like you're running a very specific game plan play with Bryson Tremaine for that touchdown in the um, in the Cincinnati game. You know, like he's motioning, come back across, and you can tell Cincinnati has, Cincinnati has no idea what's happening because it's kind of complicated. But, wa- but Washington looks super crisp because they've been able to rep it with everybody. And I think to myself, like that – is insanely valuable is because you you've you've just get more reps you can say oh hey like this is the fifth time we're running this play in training camp we're going to get to see a new coverage in seven on seven we're going to get to see a new thing and so it just allows you to be so much sharper and so much more detailed versus all these different looks and just get more force more football into these athletes brains and in situations in team in whatever it is so i think it's it's been I think the benefit's going to be enormous, like in 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 red zone, uh, third down, two minute, all those things, just because they've gotten so much more volume of of learning in, in addition to the walkthroughs and team, like the practices just become way more productive.
2: Yeah, no, I also think that when you talk about this, like what you just talked about with the the red zone play with Tremaine, right? <sighs> this is something that when you go back to actually the last question as well, the motions and stuff that curtis will be involved with i think this is fundamental to who they are it's yeah. fundamental to the way the eb thinks about offense or a guy like scott turner sorry to beat up on him or pick on him if, if people feel like i'm doing that But like that, that was extra that was bonus that was cool stuff that was like oh those are trick plays where it's like no a, a jet motion handoff is like part of our offense and it's also setting up this other thing and it's going to be involved more often because we can fake it and then do this other counter off of that. Like it's, it's a fundamental piece. The, the reasons why you do it are things that you believe in at your core, not things that you're using to trick the opponent. If that makes sense, that differentiation. And so whether it's the use of motion, different formations, um, you know, doing a ring around the rosy before a play, sure. like every everything, even the stuff that is tricky has a purpose. And I think that when you make that core and fundamental to who you are, and there's a good explanation of why players understand it better and they're going to execute it better. And they've repped it a ton and it feels far more comfortable ultimately is what I'm getting to, yeah. to them so that every player, if they have to go in and, and be in on this particular play, They've repped it. They know it. They know why you're doing it. They understand it. They can go execute it. And I think that that's going to be huge. And if that's how they feel, not just about your base fundamental offense, but about your third down package and your your fourth down stuff and your red zone stuff, like you're going to have a lot better execution. And I think that is what you see on top of the talent in a place like Kansas City, where yes, Mahomes sometimes runs around in, in a circle and then throws one sidearm and then uh, yet gets in the defender's face and yells, I am him. Um, there's also just like a lot of basic stuff that gets executed at a high level successfully all the time. And, and when they get down in the red zone, you feel like they're going to score. And, you know, is Travis Kelsey really talented? Sure. But there's also some schematic stuff in the way that it was all prepared that makes it so that Travis Kelsey, who should be the total focal point of a defense down there, is wide open way more than he should be.
3: Yeah, there's a the schematic stuff, but also some of the best plays that Travis Kelsey has, you could just tell. They've repped it so much yep. versus so many different coverages. Like he's got a corner, and I, I mentioned this corner thing all the time, and it's and it's and it's cover four, and he should be a dead route, and he just sits down in the zone and catches a ball, and it's and it and again that only happens if if you've repped it. A bunch with the quarterback. And so the increased volume of reps in practice, I think, is extremely, extremely beneficial to your general offense. I think that's one of the reasons why the O line has looked so much sharper than people expected. Because they've like literally just been the process has been accelerated. The red zones look better. All the the timings look better. It's because like they've and it's not just volume, it's the detail with which EB's coaching it, and this then he's got his staff coaching it. So that's a huge factor. But it's it's so powerful as a coach to be able to say, hey we we've gotten more it's like you're trying to teach somebody how to do a power clean and it's like imagine if i said hey we're, we're just doing live power cleans you're never going to get it but if i say hey we're going to break these down we're going to kind of put you over here we're going to do this stuff and this stuff and this stuff it helps kind of the final product And i think that's what you see with um with the with the offense at the moment and one of the reasons i think why we're both so optimistic is because like it's crisp in situational football, and usually that's the last thing to come. And they've prioritized that in practice. They've prioritized it with practice structure, and I just think it's it's exciting. I'm obviously I'm excited about it. so yeah, how confident on a scale of one to ten are you teaching a power clean? I'm pretty com- I can teach a power clean. It, but I think the thing about power cleans <laughs> is that everyone wants to be good at power cleans the same day you start. Nope. no, no, it's like a couple of probably like a two week, three week type of deal, you know. And if you
2: can do it in two to
3: three weeks, you are an excellent Olympic lifting coach. So the uh, I had a buddy who gave me a secret, which I'll tell you about off the air. And um, it changed my, it revolutionized how I teach it and was very, very helpful. So
2: you're going to have me making, you're going to, you're going to make me want to go do power cleans after the show. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.